America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day and where we move on discussing some of the problems confronting America. One of those problems, the surge in crime, the surge in destructiveness. And no, it's not just school shootings or mass shootings. And it's not just one form of weapon. What do we do about it? Somebody worth talking to on that issue is Chris Christie, who uh, is the author of, uh, well, a, a new book about Republican resurgence. And uh, that's a book that we've talked about with him before. He is, is also somebody who uh, has some experience as a prosecutor, a distinguished record as a prosecutor, which helped get him elected to be governor of New Jersey. Uh, governor Christie, um, quick word on uh, the president's remarks last night, the president's handling of this entire, what he considers to be a gun crisis. Where could he do better? Well, he can do better, first of all, by not playing into Americans' emotions, but playing into their into their logic and their intellect. Um, you know, look, the speech last night was a typical Joe Biden speech where he thinks, you know, it's for, still 40 years ago um, and that he can hit the fastball, which he can't. Here's what he should be talking about. We should be talking about, you know, making sure in this country that we have people getting mental health and drug addiction treatment um, all across the country whenever they need it. Um, the mental health crisis in this country is obvious. When you look at these mass shootings, um, these mass shootings are done almost exclusively um, by young men who are in significant mental health crisis. And if we don't begin to deal with that problem, um, Michael, we're not gonna deal with the underlying violence issue because it's the people who commit these acts of violence. and But he wants to focus on his liberal agenda to essentially, you know, eliminate the Second Amendment. I saw, um, you know, a congressman today in a hearing um, say, don't talk to me about this, this BS about constitutional rights. Well, I don't know. I've read the Constitution. Uh, there is a right there, and, and, and very clearly in the Second Amendment. So I think that the president could be much more constructive trying to bring people together, which is what he promised he would do when he ran, but he's done none of it since he's been in, in the White House. Do you believe, just as a constitutional matter, that um, the, the, the fact is that uh, we have a much higher rate of suicide, more people die from guns in suicides than die in mass shootings or shootings altogether. We have more suicide than homicide. Is it a legitimate concern of the federal government to try to do something to prevent people from killing themselves? I, I believe it is. But again, that goes back to the point that I made, Michael. Those people who find themselves in such a dark and desperate place that they believe the only way out of that dark and desperate place is to end their lives are in significant mental health crisis. And we need to try to find ways to deal with these folks and you know in new jersey i made it easier in fact for people who were expressing violent ideations that they wanted to kill themselves or others to be involuntary committed for a period of 72 hours to be evaluated 
um, and, and to get treatment if they need. People in that circumstance often aren't ready to be treated uh, voluntarily. You have to do it involuntarily. Um, you know, this is a way of saving lives. Do I think the federal government has an interest in that? I do, but I think it's much better done at the state level and would be much more efficiently handled at the state level than the federal government trying to do it. And we need, in a, on that much more local level, to give people the help that they need so they don't kill others and they don't kill themselves. Okay. In, in terms of, of that, you, you were talking about the constitutional rights and the understanding of the Second Amendment. Do you think that the uh, Second Amendment uh, requires that uh, uh, AR-15-style firearms be made available to 18-year-olds? Well, look, I think that there can be appropriate restrictions that are placed on the purchase of, of firearms um, and, and already have been placed on the purchase of firearms and have been found to be constitutional um, by various states. Uh, I'm The biggest concern, the two biggest concerns I have right now, Michael, are, are the mental health issue, and I do think the age issue is something that we should address and try to deal with. Um, you know, we look at um, 18-year-old men. I know this from, from raising um, four children, two boys and two girls. And there's no question in my mind that the girls matured much more quickly than the boys did. Uh, and I think that's generally true. If you talk to any parent, you'd probably hear that. So the question becomes, um, do we need to set, as we did with drinking um, at 21, as we do with the rental car companies not letting people rent till they're 25 because of the, the, the driving records of youth drivers? I think it's time for us to examine these mass shootings, examine um, all the statistics on it, and then be able to um, legislate appropriately um, to deal with it if we see a consistent, not an anecdotal, but a consistent pattern of uh, people below the age of 21 um, participating in these awful events. In terms of uh, winning the election coming up, I, I know that you were just down uh, campaigning for Governor Kemp in, in Georgia for his reelection, and you were on the opposite side of that with President Trump, and then you were also helping Brad Raffensperger to be uh, reelected as Secretary of State in Georgia. Do you think that uh, with the divisions in the Republican Party that we're going to be able to come together to actually have a meaningful victory in the fall? I do, because nothing unites us like our opposition um, to Joe Biden. And as we now get through um, you know, this series of primaries. And unfortunately, you know, for instance, in New Hampshire, the primary is not until September. You know, I think this primary season is much too long, um, and we need to shorten it up a bit. But nonetheless, um, I think we will be able to come together for a really successful fall campaign. You know, I just co-chaired the, the Republican effort on redistricting across the country nationally with uh, former Secretary of State Pompeo. Uh, we finally completed that process this week, and we've gained through redistricting another three to five seats in the House. That the margin right now is five, Michael. So I think we're going to have a really successful election this fall. Um, I, I'm a less confident about the United States Senate just because of the makeup of the map. Two-thirds of the seats are being defended by Republicans. But I think for sure we will take back the House. I think we'll regain three to five governor's seats. Um, and, and I do think we have a real chance to take the Senate, but I wouldn't consider it a lock at this point. 
Uh, and people are speculating, of course, about you. You're always mentioned as a potential candidate for president. And I'm going to ask you the boring question because obviously it's early. But uh, there's also speculation on the Democratic side that your successor as governor of New Jersey, Governor Murphy, uh, actually is going to be a candidate or a potential candidate to replace Joe Biden. What do you think about his candidacy? Well, look, I, I think I think everybody in the America should know that what Phil Murphy promised when he ran um, in 2017 was that he wanted to make New Jersey the California of the East, um, and he's <laughs> well on the way to doing so. Um, he, he has he has raised every tax that has been available to him to raise. He has increased spending. Michael, I want you to think about this for a second. In eight years in, uh, that I was governor. Spending, state spending in New Jersey went up 15% in eight years. In, in, the, in the four years that Phil Murphy has been governor, spending has gone from $35 billion to $49.5 billion. Um, it has gone up in four years um, nearly um, 35%. And okay. This- can, governor, can you, can you hang on for a moment more? Sure. Terrific. We were speaking to Chris Christie, author of Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. We'll be right back with Chris Christie. Michael Medved. Keep going. Don't ever stop. The Michael Medved Show. Now's the... And a little bit of bumper music there from The Boss, from Bruce Springsteen, the pride of Asbury Park, New Jersey, uh, and all meant to uh, introduce uh, or reintroduce uh, Chris Christie, the uh, two-term governor of uh, New Jersey, and the author of the book, Republican Rescue. Okay, you've written about this in Republican Rescue, but in, in the midst of what looks to be a successful campaign, or at least as a perspective, all the polling showing Republicans with advantages in both the House and to a little bit lesser extent in the Senate, uh, rather than taking a look at what the Republicans are doing wrong, how about what could Republicans be doing better to prepare both for the election of 2022 and the election of 2024, which could be even more important because it includes a president? What do we need to do better, Governor Christie? A few things. One, we've got to focus on the issue of crime, but in a much more productive way. Look, we showed in New Jersey, Michael, that what you can do is you can reform police departments Um, from their worst instincts um, and make them even more effective crime-fighting forces with the support of the people that they protect and serve every day. We did significant police reform in New Jersey, especially in the city of Camden, and we have seen the murder rate in Camden since 2012 go down 80 percent. It was at that time in 2012 considered the most dangerous city in America. Republicans need to be saying, look, we need to support our police, we need to fully fund our police, and we need to train them in community policing and in uh, violence de-escalation. And when you do both of those things, 
You get them involved in the community, and we can make our community safer. People are scared to death around this country, Michael, of the crime that's going on, not only in our cities, but now spreading to our suburbs. The Republican Party needs to be the smart law and order party, talking about how you would do this without having to put up with um, some of the abuses that we've seen um, across the country that have caused so much so much tumult. Um, secondly, we, we need to be talking about education and how the key to great education in this country is parental choice. It is getting parents involved in their children's education and allowing them to make the decision not only about what they may or may not learn in schools that are contrary to what the parents are teaching their children, but the more fundamental issue of where their children go to school. They're, in my view, this country should be a parental choice country. If you want to send your child to parochial school, you want to send your child to a charter school, you want to send your children to a, a traditional public school. Um, these should be choices that are available to all the people um, of our country so that they can have the education for their children that fits the way they're trying to raise their children, both in terms of the curriculum and in terms of where they actually are able to send their child. We should be the, 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 the parental choice party, um, both in 22 and 24. And third, we've got to be the party that says irresponsible and reckless spending leads to the type of inflation and ugliness that we're seeing in our economy today. Now, look, we fell off the track with, with the Trump administration in terms of that, and they engaged in reckless spending. And it proves the old point, Michael. If we try to spend like Democrats, we'll never be able to. The more we spend, they just spend more than us. So that's not the way to win this, this argument. The way to win the argument is to say that we're going to pay for all the government we need, but only the government that we absolutely need, and not this like crazy AOC liberal wish list uh, that Joe Biden is imposing upon the country. I think we focus on those three things. We are going to be wildly successful in both 22 and in 24. Let me ask you about something else that's a sore subject for me. 57 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against uh, the aid package for Ukraine in this moment of decision and danger. Zero Democrats voted against it. They all authorized the foreign aid. I, I assume you would go with the support of Ukraine and of a freedom-defending foreign policy for the United States. I absolutely would. I think it was wrong of those 57 Republicans to vote against it. Look, Michael, this is my point of view on this. People ask, and some of those 57 members probably would say, why is it the responsibility of the American people to do this? And my answer is very simple back. This is the price we pay for being the richest and freest people in the world. And because of that, we have an absolute stake in establishing friendships and alliances around the world which the Russians and the Chinese cannot do because of their authoritarian nature. And we have the absolute responsibility to protect America's future by having more democracies, more free people around the world. Those free people will want to trade with us. Those free people will want to live peacefully with us. And authoritarian regimes like North Korea, like Iran, like Russia, like China, are the consistent thorns in the side of freedom-loving people. And if those 57 members don't understand that, they, are, they have obviously not read their history, and they've made a gross misevaluation of the role that America has to play in the world, given our wealth and our abundance of freedom. 
Uh, are there any uh, candidates you see, new Republicans, who are running for office around the country who you think are particularly promising? Sure. I'm very excited about John James running for Congress in, in Michigan. I know John's running for the Senate before, but he's a, he's a young, bright, African-American Republican in Michigan who I think has a real chance to be an outstanding member of Congress and a great uh, future leader um, in our party. I think he's one of the folks that we need, really need to look at. Um, Derek Schmidt in Kansas, the attorney general who is running um, for governor in Kansas, I think is an exciting new candidate um, on, the, on the broader national scene for us. And I think he's going to take back the governorship um, in Kansas for us uh, in, a, in what will be, I think, a very, very important race uh, you know, to get back a governorship we should have never lost in the first place. Um, I think I, that is going to be a really interesting and fun race for people to watch and a good person for them to get to know. So those are two right off the top of my head, um, Michael, that we could do. And I'll tell you something else. There's a great young House member um, running up in New Hampshire um, for the House, uh, you know, seat in District 1 in New Hampshire named Matt Bowers. Um, Matt is a native of New Jersey, but he's moved to New Hampshire um, and is running up there. I know Matt well. Um, but he's a young man with a young family um, who is the, the best and brightest that Republicans have to offer um, for, for a House seat as well. This is uh, terrific to hear about that. And those are races that may be off the radar for people because they don't involve some of the inter-Republican squabbling between uh, loyalists to uh, President Trump and uh, people who may be looking toward uh, a different uh, a change, a younger, more vigorous, uh, fresh leadership. Uh, speaking to Governor Chris Christie, Godspeed to you, sir. His book is amusing, revealing, and at points even inspiring. It's called Republican Rescue. We will be right back uh, with a, a rescue from some boredom that you may have felt from some recent films. There's one terrific movie among the three we're going to review. Uh, you may not have heard of it, but you will. Coming up on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. And on the Michael Medved show. Uh, there's a, a Democratic uh, candidate running for Senate in Kentucky, challenging uh, Rand Paul for the Senate seat in Kentucky. Uh, Rand Paul is heavily favored. And part of the reason is because Charles Booker, the name of the Democrat, has uh, chosen <laughs> to, <laughs> to release a campaign ad that's different. Uh, he's actually wearing a noose around his neck in the uh, campaign ad, and it sounds like this, clip 21. The pain of our past persists to this day. In Kentucky, like many states throughout the South, lynching was a tool of terror. It was used to kill hopes for freedom. It was used to kill my ancestors. Now, in a historic victory for our commonwealth, I have become the first black Kentuckian to receive the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate. My opponent, the very person who compared expanded health care to slavery. 
The person who said he would have opposed the Civil Rights Act. The person who single-handedly blocked an anti-lynching act from being federal law. The choice couldn't be clearer. Do we move forward together? Or do we let politicians like Rand Paul forever hold us back and drive us apart? In November, we will choose healing. We will choose Kentucky. Okay. Uh... Really, by the way, it was not blocked a, a federal anti-lynching law. Lynching is not legal, it uh, and um, it was delayed uh, that Rand Paul did. Look, I'm not a gigantic fan of Senator Paul, but really, um, I, uh, I we uh, will find out if uh, Charles Booker uh, gains more traction certainly more attention with that kind of ad. Uh, there's, there's also this from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, she has had a great deal of controversy in her brief congressional career because, remember, she's just come to Congress recently. And uh, she's running for re-election. She's heavily favored. She does not have significant Democratic challenge this time. And... Uh, here is what she has to offer about another vital issue that you may have ignored until now, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You have to accept the fact that the government totally wants to provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. So you'll probably get a little zap inside your body and that's saying, no, no, don't eat a real cheeseburger. You need to eat the fake, the fake burger, the fake meat from Bill Gates. Um, they probably also want to know when you go to the bathroom and if your bowel movements are, are on time or consistent. I mean, what else do these people want to know? What else do these people want to know? Um, look, in terms of the fake uh, uh, cheeseburger, uh, it's it's actually not grown in a Petri dish. Uh, not most of the products. It's plant-based. And uh, it's kind of okay to eat plants, isn't it, Marjorie? Uh, the, and the idea of the government uh, trying to inspect what we eat, uh, do you think they'd do a great job at that, considering, oh, some of the uh, other uh, attempts by government to, uh, to intrude on regulating the populace? Uh, probably there are more significant issues. Uh, there's this from Paul in Redmond, Washington. He writes in, there's a simple solution to school shooting, but it would mean you could never use this type of tragedy for political gain again. Harden the schools, provide federal funding to the states to establish state-run school police, ensure that each school is heavily armed or let the states decide how to arm it. I would consider a branch of the military or would use the military to support it. In a free society, this will always be a threat. But the shooter knows full well he, she will engage a trained security team that will kill on sight. Uh, look, I don't think there's any doubt that we could benefit from uh, a, a, an aggressive new program on school security. 
But one of the things that it's worth talking about is that uh, only a tiny fraction of the murders in the United States and the suicides, which are even more numerous, have anything to do with schools. I think we should make our schools safer at a minimum, but the idea of a special branch of school police, there are areas in the country, there are neighborhoods, whole neighborhoods in the country where they are plagued by crimes, not once every 10 years, like, but literally uh, once a day. And to try to deter uh, the very necessary and very aggressive new emphasis on policing in neighborhoods to focus on a whole new school police system is a uh, seems to me to be a little bit misguided. Uh, thanks for the email, Paul. Uh, and we have a tweet of the... Turn the page now to the Internet. I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked. I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him. So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by. Tweet alert. And this tweet is from Adam Kinzinger, a congressman from Illinois. He's leaving the House of Representatives. And this has nothing to do with the January 6th committee in which he's prominent and active. But he says, let me say again, 21 to drink, 21 to smoke, 21 to buy a pistol. Let's raise the age to buy any gun. Buffalo, Texas, Parkland, Sandy Hook, all under 21. Raise the age. And... There are many reasons for that, but one of them, given that uh, as people have revealed and the psychologists are discussing this at all, for young men, uh, the brain matures at a different rate than it does for young women, and young men uh, are often particularly vulnerable to uh, irresponsible, unrealistic, and self-destructive behavior. And uh, giving special attention to some uh, restrictions or at least pauses in uh, the availability of serious weapons. And one of the things that Ross Douthat wrote, and I think this is probably the best idea, rather than banning ownership uh, of for everyone who is uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, before they turn 21... You could create a situation where you need to go through a special uh, uh, application process. You need a special certificate because there's a particular reason or you have demonstrated you have the level of maturity and uh, of an encouraging record, uh, more of a restriction than, than people who are over 21. And that is not a constitutional problem, it seems to me, or any kind of ethical problem. Speaking of problems, there are uh, uh, three different big new movies. Well, not so big. Uh, They're not any rival to uh, Top Gun Maverick.
But there is a new movie about uh, aerial combat in World War II and a film about the great world of golf. Film that will surprise you. Uh, that and more coming up on the Medved Show. Your outlet for outrage. Where's the outrage? I, I'm shook up, and you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be driving down the road, listening to all this. I'm going to wreck the car and sue Michael Medved. Okay, don't sue and don't wreck the car. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, wishing you a very wonderful spring weekend I cannot believe it's already the month of June uh, we have a, a, a Jewish holiday coming up the holiday of Shavuot uh, sometimes equated to and related to the Feast of Pentecost which is mentioned in the Bible and uh, celebrating the giving of the Torah to humanity not just to one people but to the whole world and uh, wishing everybody great joy and a meaningful observance of this holiday season but maybe to uh, get ready for it uh, or or after the holiday is concluded uh, people might find some real entertainment uh, in a light-hearted fashion among one of the movies that is released from Hollywood. Okay, there's no question at all that the best film of, uh, of this uh, weekend uh, released across the country is uh, the movie uh, which is called Phantom of the Open. Now, obviously, that's a play on Phantom of the Opera, but this has nothing to do with opera. It's a Phantom of the Open, meaning the British Open, as in golf. And uh, this film playing in theaters across the country uh, stars Oscar winner Mark Rylance, who was fantastic in it. It co-stars a frequent Oscar nominee, Sally Hawkins, who was the star of the Oscar-winning film uh, Shape of Water, and it tells a true story. It tells a true story set in 1976 of a very famous, incomparable, I mean really incomparable golfer whose name was Morris Flitcroft. That's who is played by Mark Rylance. He somehow gets into the British Open, though he knows nothing about golf. Listen. I didn't choose golf. It Morris chose me. It was destiny. I'm going to have a crack at the British Open. Golf? The British Open is the most respected tournament in the world. I never even played bloody golf before, Dad. It says professional. You sure? Well, practice is the road to perfection. Uh, practice is the road to perfection is a hallmark quote from uh, the real Morris Flitcroft. Uh, the film is funny. It is touching. It is historically very accurate to tell this amazing story of a crane operator in northern England who just becomes obsessed. One night late at night, he sees on the telly a golf tournament and decides that he wants to be part of that glory and that fame. And he does become famous as the worst golfer of all time. He was celebrated for it, and he made a living from it. The 
the essence of this film is it's about family. Uh, it's about a relationship between husband and wife. Sally Hawkins plays the wife. And, uh, and there are three sons who are very different. And actually, uh, two of those sons, twins, became champions in some other field. But uh, we'll let you see the movie to enjoy. Uh, again, it is uh, rated PG-13 for just a little bit of passing language. And uh, it's fantastic to watch. It makes you uh, feel good and uh, makes you feel amused and uh, satisfied at the same time. And it's one of those films where they show the actual footage of uh, some of the characters you saw on screen. And you see what a fine job they did in matching that. Phantom of the Open, rated PG-13, three and a half stars. Certainly one of the better movies of the year. Another ambitious British film uh, that is uh, coming out is a film called Benediction. It's about a real-life poet, uh, Siegfried Sassoon, who was known as one of the war poets in World War I. And it focuses on his religious conversion late in life to Catholicism. It focuses on his experience in combat and his embrace of pacifism. And it focuses a great deal of attention on his um, very active uh, gay life in uh, Britain right after World War I. Benediction. Listen. It's one of the inconveniences of the shadow life we lead. Friends may come, friends may go. Enemies are always faithful. Life goes slowly on. Trying to understand the enigma of other people. You're going to marry her? If the intention wasn't pure, I don't think I could go through with it. Purity is like virginity. As soon as you touch it, it becomes corrupt. Okay, uh, Terence Davies uh, uh, directed this film, and it's very handsome. Some of the best moments in the film uh, are the main character who's played by a, a gifted uh, uh, actor named Jack Loudon uh, and he um, actually recites some of the poetry with footage in the background from World War I. Uh, Sassoon wrote about the horrors of battle and the difficulties of, uh, of people at the front. The problem with the film and the reason I think it, it ends up being difficult to recommend is because it, it is so disjointed. It, it uh, doesn't focus either on his spiritual life, that's sort of a throw-in toward the end of his life, uh, as I guess you could say it was for Siegfried Sassoon. It focuses part of his life on his unhappy experience with uh, various um, intense gay relationships and then it focuses on his role as a fascist of as a pacifist where he was sent up to a hospital uh rather than being court-martialed as he feared this is after he was a decorated officer in the first part of world war one all of it is interesting and well done and and handsomely appointed with mentions of lots of british celebrities from edith sitwell to winston churchill uh, but none of it seems to go anywhere or to, uh, to give you a, a theme that is coherent and unifying. Uh, two and a half stars for uh, Benediction, which is 
rated PG-13, actually with some of the graphic sex references, it should have been R. And that brings us to uh, Wolfhound. Wolfhound is a reference to a historical uh, German operation known as KG-200 that shot down and then repaired and then flew again Allied aircraft during the last stages of the war, uh, trying to use those Allied aircraft to make trouble and to run undetected against the Allies. This uh, film is about a one particular B-17 flying fortress that is shot down and the crew's struggle to survive in occupied France in 1944. Wolfhound, the name of the film. What are they up to? They have developed, they say have developed more bombs that could destroy an entire city. Do not forget our orders. No survivors. They say one man can make a difference. Let's find out. I think they're going to bomb London. Where's this pilot now? Do not know, sir. This ends now. This ends now and none too soon. Uh... The film is sloppy, it's amateurish, the acting is universally embarrassing, and yes, it's, a, it's a, an interesting moment of history to dramatize, but none of what happens in the film is vaguely believable. It opens with an extended aerial combat scene, which uh, won't make you forget about the gloriously well-done scenes in uh, Top Gun Maverick, but... Uh, have their own visual appeal. The cast, including people like James Maslow and Trevor Donovan and John Wells, I know who, uh, it, it is not a, um, a fully prepared cast. And some of the screenwriting, including uh, the uh, drama, melodrama within a prisoner of war camp under the Nazis, and uh, the great abundance of Nazi flags to make you believe that these really are German monsters, despite the unconvincing accents for nearly all of them. Uh, two stars for Wolfhound. Uh, it's uh, also rated R for some fairly intense scenes of violence and, yes, torture. Uh, speaking of torture, uh, coming up on uh, the Medved show next week, we will be talking uh, a, a great deal, I'm sure, during the week on the uh, hearings, televised hearings that are going to be beginning from the January 6th committee. There will also be more on whether there is an agreement uh, with some Republican senators for some reform of gun regulation. And uh, Democrats facing pressure on crime from a new front, their base. Why? Because of rapidly increasing crime rates in communities of color. We will be covering all of that and much more next week in this greatest nation on God's green earth.